you know, I don't think I'm alone, but let's just let's talk about me for a minute. I, I have some areas when I investigate the shelves of my life, when I do some inventory, I've got some, I got some things that are, that are not where I want them to be. Uh, some, some stuff I'd like to change. Um, so, some areas where, boy, I, I wish it were a little different. And I don't, I don't think I'm alone. How many of you would say there's probably an area financially, relationally, maritally, uh, emotionally, physically, spiritually that, boy, I, I, I wish it was just, I wish I could change just a couple things about the reality of where it is right now. Anybody with me on that by raise of hands here in Diablo? Yeah, yeah. Me too. I'm not alone. About 99.9% of us raised our hands and the other 0.1, we need to talk. We need to talk. <laughs> um, All of us are living in this uh, tension between two uh, uh, spectrums, and and it's it's this. It's the tension between the real and the ideal. The ideal life financially, the ideal life relationally, the ideal marriage, the ideal parenting, and like the reality. And there may be some things that are ideal. Like it's finally your kids are like obeying the first time. And then they become teenagers. You know, and you're back to real, right? Or, or, or it's like you, you, you've got things figured out financially. Like you are able to have the money that you need to have in order to support the lifestyle that you were hoping to have. And that's ideal. But, but in relationship, there's a lot of real that's not ideal. And so it doesn't matter how I am financially because relationally, that's what makes this whole thing work. And so I'm dealing with the tension between the real and the ideal. And anybody that wants to to change, anybody that wants to go from real to closer to ideal, you you, you have to like activate. It's not a a bite your bottom lip kind of deal. It's not a a hope it out. Hope is is a bad strategy, just hoping. Strategy requires steps. And whether you're using our Timber Creek Church app that you can download on your smartphone or right there on the worship guide, the back page of the fill in the blanks. I invite you to take some notes today and and let's write this down. People who want to change have to take a next step. Unfortunately, people that want to change, they do take next steps and it's not about just taking the next step, it's about taking the right next step. And so the marriage isn't working. The, 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 The love life has fizzled. And people want to change that. They take a next step and they find it somewhere else outside of the marriage. That's a next step, but it's not the right next step. And people want to change. They've, they've got to take next steps. You don't wish it away. You have to activate it. You, you, you have to take a next step. And I know a lot of people, they want to change, but you need to understand the equation on change. Change does not equal improvement. So you can change a lot of things. You can rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic, but like, it doesn't mean that your situation is going to improve. In fact, the equation is backwards. Improvement equals change. So if there's any area in our life we want to see improved, financially, you cannot do the same thing over and over and over and wish different results. Unless it's a lottery ticket, (laughs) like do the same thing over and over and over and finally get it. Um, that's probably not the greatest uh, retirement strategy for you. But improvement equals change. If I want to change my health, I have to take next steps of improvement, and then it will change. If I want to change where I am with Christ, 
It's not a wishing. It's not a, man, I wish I could do it. It's taking next steps. Today, as we start this new series, Bout That Life, I want to invite you into a, a biblical definition of what our lives are designed to look like. And I want you to see it. I want you to see it for yourself. In fact, God is always calling us to take next steps. He's always doing something new. It's whether we see it or not. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, the Old Testament, that prophet Isaiah speaks the words of God. And here's what God, God is saying. He says, see, I'm going to do a new thing. Now it springs up. But it's not that God isn't doing a new thing or that it isn't springing up. The question is, do you perceive it? Do you get it? Do you see it? Because God is always wanting to move, whether you're a senior saint or you are just getting started investigating the claims of Christ, God's bringing up something new in your life. And what happens is when God springs up something new, we tend to not see it so we don't take next steps towards it because what we see is the other things around us versus what God wants us to see through to become who he's called us to become. You may want to write this down. You cannot be what you cannot see. You, you can't become what you can't see. So if all you see for your life is the life you're living now, you can live that until you're dead. If it's all the life you choose to see, it's the life you'll, you'll live. But if you see, I can get beyond this, or, or, or there's a next step I can take, or I'm not sad, I will not be satisfied with the status quo. I want to do more. You, you got to see it uh, to be it. You have to see what God sees in order to become what God see, says that you can become. And what's interesting about the scripture, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Many people can't see what God is doing next because they're in the middle of a tough situation, a circumstance, a habit, a hang-up, a relationship, that's not ideal, it's, it's real, but it's not ideal. And, and they see, they, they're, they're in the middle of like, man, I could never become, I could never get where I need to go because of where I am right now. I'm so far away from where I need to be that like, what's the point? I sat with a friend of mine who had been up for about 12 days straight on drugs. And then he had slept for about five straight days. And we met at the Kentucky Fried Chicken there in a small town in Kansas. And I said, Jason, you got to take some next steps to change. And he says, if I, t I just have tried it before and I'm so far gone, I don't even think it's, it's worth it. I don't even, I, I really, I can't take a next step because I've done so much junk. I can't get past it. But here's what Isaiah, here's what God says in Isaiah. Now watch this. You don't see what I'm doing. I'm doing a new thing. It's springing up. Now watch. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God isn't waiting for us to be in perfect conditions for him to spring up something new. He's not waiting for you to get all your stuff in a row Make sure you got everything lined up and you, you're walking in step with everything. He's in the, in the middle of the junk, in the middle of the hangover. Some of you came last night. It was like, <laughs> and you're here because, <laughs> and you woke up this morning like, 
And somebody said, you're coming to church with me today. And you're like, I don't want to go. You're coming to me. They dragged your butt here. And right now, I want to tell you that in the middle of your wasteland, in the middle of the junk, God does his best work. He doesn't come to earth to make shiny things shinier. He comes to earth to help people that are broken and hurting become closer to him. But when you're here, it's hard to get started in next steps. When we don't perceive it, it's, it's, it's hard. We're in the middle of the wilderness and the wasteland. And, and there are some particular landscape. There's some particular landscape in the wilderness and the wasteland that all of us, the, the, it's kind of the average landscaping that we have to overcome when we're taking next steps. So I want to give you just a few of those typical next step non-starters. Like these are, these are roadblocks. They're barbed wire fences. And, and we got we to gotta cut these down in order to launch out into what God has. But here's a non-starter that many of us deal with. It's our past. What we experience, I'm never going to get past that. I tried this before and I failed. Like my friend Jason, he said, I'm too far gone. I've done too much stuff. I just can't get past the past. And you know, the more you think that thinking, the more your brain creates highways that you jump on the moment opportunity comes. The more negative you think about things, the more you allow the past to dictate your present and your future, the more you just keep convincing yourself over and over and over again that there's no way I can do it. And some don't take next steps because they're hanging on to the past. And your brain has created that, that rhythmic highway. It's, it's like this. Um, have, you ever, have you ever heard a song, the first 20 times you heard it, it was awesome. But then when you start hearing it over and over again, eventually someone starts singing it, you know, next to you in the cubicle. You're like, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't sing that song. I'm going to be up all night thinking that song. It gets stuck in my, anybody ever had a, a, a song get stuck in your brain like that? Uh, a song, a little something like this. The dog's out. <laughs> I mean, at first, the Baja men were like, awesome, in high school. But you start, you hear this song. Some of you later, you're going to try and be taking a nap today, a Sunday nap. And you're like, who, 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 who let the dogs out? It gets stuck, and our past becomes a roadblock. Here, here's another non-starter is our doubts. I can't do that. That would do, not do any good. I tried it before. I couldn't do it then. Why would I do it now? I doubt I have the time to take next steps to make things right. I, I doubt they'll even receive it. I, 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 I doubt that that's really, that, that may be good for you. That's just not me because of what I've experienced. And now I just, I just doubt it can happen. You know what's great about doubts is you're not alone. There are unbelievable men that had incredible faith in the word of God that still struggle with doubt. There's this moment where a man has a sick son and Jesus says, do you believe he can be healed? And he says, I, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. There's a moment where one of the disciples that was close to Jesus for three years, Thomas, he says, I don't know, I, don't, I, I just can't go there. I can't believe that he's really risen from the dead unless I have like tangible proof, I doubt. And his tag name, his gamer tag is Doubting Thomas. 
John the Baptist who prepared the way of the Lord, who baptized Jesus into three years of ministry, who said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John was imprisoned, and he was in his wilderness and his wasteland, and he writes a little note, and he sends it over to Jesus by one of his messengers, and the note says, are you really the one? In one moment, he says, behold the Lamb of God, and then even John said, ooh, is this for real? We have our doubts, and they can become roadblocks that keep us from taking the right Next steps. You can take next steps in doubts. So next steps in doubts is I'm going to do it my way. Next steps in doubts is I'm not going to trust anybody. Next steps, the wrong next steps are I tried it once and they, they did me wrong. And so now everybody will do me wrong if I trust them. Our past, our doubts. Here's another one, our perspective so the way we see, do you perceive it? Yeah, we perceive it. We're just perceiving it in the wrong way. There are things that we see that we, that, that we dictate how we live and the next steps we take because of what we see. And here's a huge one, how I see myself. So how do I see me? And, and there, there, are, there are, are, are two key categories in how we see ourselves. Here it is. Some think way too much of yourself. And some think way too little of yourself. And it's kind of like this moving target where sometimes we think a lot of ourselves and then we get brought down to size. Every once in a while, my nine-year-old will say, I'm the best at that. I'm killing it on Fortnite. (laughs) And we say, okay, Brady. Because we were at the Ninja Warrior course in Houston, like the Ninja Warrior gym. And there was a kid, we'll call him Brady, because that's his name. And Brady was, we could hear Brady, Jane and I watching Graham do the Ninja course. And Brady's like, I can do that better than anybody. I did that the first time. Oh, you didn't do that, Graham? I can do that easy. And Graham is like doing his deal, and he's looking at us like, can I, can I say something? Can I say so every, t- every time he goes, oh, I'm awesome at that. We say, okay, Brady. He's like, oh, shut up. <laughs> like, how do we see ourselves? We think too much, but then sometimes we think too little of ourselves. Both are an unbelievably unhealthy because here's what they create. Thinking too much of myself creates an arrogance. I don't need to take any more next steps. I'm good. I've arrived. Thinking too little of myself, I'm stuck in the wasteland, I'm stuck in the wilderness, and there's no way I could ever become that. And both are unhealthy. How, how we, both are unhealthy how we see ourselves. We also spend so much time on how others see us. And because they said I would never do it, or, or they, they want me to do this, I better do this. And so people's next steps are, you're taking your mom's next steps, not your next steps. You're taking your dad's next steps instead of your next steps. Your dad's next steps are his, your dad's next steps, not yours. God doesn't work in hand-me-downs. He doesn't work in, in, in stuff that was designed for your parent or your grandparent. His principles are the same, but your next steps might look a little different. And maybe your next steps aren't to take over the family business. You, you got to trust the next steps that God has for you because that's really where we want to get. How does God see me? What does God say? How does God want me to live? What, what is the life that I'm to be about? 
not based on the American dream, but based on God's dream for me. God has a dream for you. God wants something for you. Many people think that God's after something from them. He's after everything for you. And we got to surrender to that. The Apostle Paul sums up what this life really ought to look like. Like the, about that life, like in Christ. In the book of Ephesians, it's a letter to the church at Ephesus. And in that letter, here's what Paul says. Paul says, God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth, not half truth, not a little bit of truth, the whole truth, and then to tell the truth in love, like Christ in everything. Like Christ in everything. You know what the Greek word means? That, that word everything in the Greek, do you know what it means? Everything. That's what it means. There's a, it's no trick. It's not be Christ-like in everything except that one little thing you want to hang on to. Be Christ-like in everything except your attitude because when the train, you better get off the tracks when the train's coming through. I'll tell it how it is. Well, that is how you tell it. That is who you are, but that's not who Christ has called you to become. Well, I just lose my temper. It's where my dad was, where my granddad was. I just lose it. Yeah, but that's not, like, not Jesus. We're to be Christ-like in everything. Paul goes on to say, we take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. There's that word, everything. He keeps us in step with each other. It's a next step dance movement with him. And Paul goes on to say, and so I insist. Like, listen to me, everybody. And God backs me up on it. That there be no going along with the crowd. Show me your five closest relationships. I'll show you your future. Going along with the crowd will dictate the life you live. Which crowd you're going to be a part of. The empty-headed, mindless crowd, that's not the crowd you want to be with. The empty, you know, if I had a choice to hang out with a lot of people, I'd love to hang out with people that are like, you know, do not have my best at heart. People that are just after the money, 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 money. This is a sharp, this is a sharp group. A sharp group. That's no life for you. I mean, it's life. But it's not the life. It's life. All of you are going to live a life. It's what life are you really wanting to be about? Paul says, take on an entirely new way of life. A God-fashioned life. A life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct. Not just good knowledge, but it like changes the way you walk. As God accurately reproduces his character in you. That's the goal of Timber Creek. When we say your God-given potential is our mission, it's not just like I know God and he knows me. But because you know God, you surrender to God, and he is working inside out his character, his conduct, and his convictions so that you are a different person, a new creation, and that you can show other people who Jesus is because the church was not meant to be a place. It was meant to be a people. It wasn't meant to be a building. It was meant to be the body of Christ. And so when people see you, they see the body of Christ. And some of us are representing the body of Christ, and it's like it's, in, it's, it's, it's not recognizable. They look at the body of Christ and they go, if that's what Christ looks like, ooh, that's scary. 
And Jesus ain't scary, everyone. This is what he wants to develop. So if you and I want to be about that life, there are just some simple principles. You go to this church long enough, you're going to realize we try and keep it as simple as possible. Now, how many of you have a smartphone, like, like an iPhone? Just put your hand together. I've got an iPhone. Okay. All right. Now, how many of you other dorks have, like, something besides an iPhone, like an Android? Oh, Lord, have mercy. Okay. Sorry, shut up. Shut up. So here's the deal. Here, here's the deal. The iPhone is so simple, right? And Android is so simple. Like, the glass, you touch it, and you, you, it's so simple. But underneath the glass, it's very complex, Okay, underneath the glass are zeros and ones and code that I don't know anything about. Some of you got it. You're brilliant. I don't. I couldn't open it up and say, "Oh, well, there's the the thingy-majig that does the what you call." I, I I wouldn't have a clue what to do underneath the glass. On top of the glass, it makes sense. So what I try and do on Sunday mornings through preaching is provide the user interface that's the glass. What you have to understand is it's simple, but there is complexity. Simple truths require complexity of sacrifice, complexity of obedience, complexity of, de complexity of development over and over again. So it's simple, but it's not so simple. So when you say, oh, I heard that before. Well, yeah, well, why aren't you doing it? Because it's more complex than we realize, isn't it? So here's what, here's what the life really looks like. Number one, it's I feed on God's word. I, I feed on God's word. Feeding has to be consistent. You, you won't make it. I'm not talking about intermittent fasting. I'm talking about like going weeks and then a little bit and then weeks and then a little bit. Like I have to feed on God's word. Even Jesus himself, when he gets ready to go into full-time ministry and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, he's in the wilderness and he's fasting and the enemy comes in and tempts him. And he gives, he says, hey, turn this stone into bread. I know you're hungry. Oh, that bread, look, oh, I know you're on keto. Don't you want that bread? Oh, mm, Subway. And Jesus responds in Matthew 4 and says, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, if you were to highlight just a few words, you see the antidote to not living on bread alone. Here it is. Man shall live on every word from the mouth of God. And the Bible is not an antiquated relic that should be in a museum that collects dust on our coffee table. It is the word of God. If you read enough of it, there will be things that disagree with your way of thinking and your way of life. But God is God. And if God always agrees with you, he's probably not God. It's about us agreeing with him. The Bible says it like this. Your words were found and I ate them. I like just gobbled them up. You ever had a grandma that says, come here, give me that baby, I'm going to gobble them up. I don't know if like a four-year-old hears that and goes, please don't. You know, like, don't eat me, right? 
it's just like there's just this pressure. I'm going to get all your kisses, right? And, and, and grandma just gets the kisses and, and, and she just gobbles them up. Like I just, the word is so precious. It was found and I just, I just gobbled it up. I ate it up and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. It's not just true physically, it's true spiritually. I am what I eat. I've cheated on my wife with little Debbie. Little Debbies. <laughs> Some of us, we, we are what we eat. So if all you're eating is what others see about you, all you're eating is what happened in the past, all you're consuming, look, it's what you're going to become. I am what I eat, and the word of God is rich and fresh and, 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 and bread for you. There are keystone habits. There are habits above all the other habits. If you can fix those little, those keystone habits, all of a sudden it dictates other habits. Like if you feel like your, your, your life is running out of control, fix the way you spend the last hour of your day and the first hour of your day, and you'd be shocked at how much the whole day changes. I mean, for some of you, school's already started. For others of you, school starts tomorrow, like for my kids. And it always starts like, like we've got a plan to make sure we're out the door at a certain time. And when we use the plan, we thrive. When we wait till the last minute, we're running like crazy. Our kids are idiots. They're not going to have breakfast. You're not going to have breakfast. Get in the car. <laughs> Homework is left. We're running late. We're running kids over in the school parking lot. Got to get there. Was that a speed bump? No, that was a fourth grader. So, keystone habits, having a plan of the early morning and a plan of the evening, you'd be shocked at how it affects this. Feeding on God's word early in the morning, it's amazing how that changes everything. It's amazing. It's simple. But why aren't we doing it? Because we got to be about that life. Number two, I help others grow. I don't just grow, I help others grow. Well, how could I ever? Well, he wants to do something new. Don't you see it? Don't you perceive it? In the middle of your wasteland, in the middle of your wilderness, you actually can help others grow? I'm not even where I can grow. Listen, there's always someone you're rubbing off on. You can help somebody else grow. It's amazing, but we are there for one another. The Apostle Paul was shipwrecked and uh, stoned, like, like stoned by stones, not stoned, but stoned by stones. He was beaten. He was imprisoned. He was mocked. He was persecuted. And he writes the letter to the church at Rome. And at the church of Rome, he, he writes this little introduction in Romans, the very beginning of that letter in chapter 1. And here's what he says. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. I don't know about you, but if, if the apostle Paul was in the flesh and he walked down the, this aisle today. Let me tell you what I'd do. <laughs> I would give him the mic and I would sit down and I'd say, Paul, what? You don't have to wait for him to walk down the aisle. You got all his books. Half of the New Testament is his words. The word of God through Paul. And we could hear about, man, that one time I, 
people getting snake bit. It was crazy, and we just prayed, and people were healed. And at one time, we were in prison, and we started worshiping. And, and every, every pain is an empty grave. And all of a sudden, like, the, 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 the walls fell down on the prison. It was nuts. And you're going to be encouraged by that, wouldn't you? Man, I would be encouraged to sit with Paul. But Paul doesn't stop there. Here's what Paul, the apostle, the persecuted Paul, Paul, the author of half of the New Testament, Paul finishes that scripture by saying, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. Even the apostle Paul needs encouragement. And how vain of us. Jesus took time alone with his father. How arrogant of us. That we not be encouraged by his word, by time with the Father, but then also we need each other. We, we cannot just survive. Look, if you want to just come to church and sit in a seat and just do that on Sunday, once every month, a couple of times a month, you can. There are things you won't experience. You won't know the full-bodied life that God has for you. Now, if you're welcome here. You're welcome here to sit every and not do a thing except just sit. And you're welcome in this place, a church anyone can come to. And we don't, we don't drag you into next steps. That's you. It's all you. We want to help you get there. We're tour guides. We're not, we're not you know, moms that are grabbing you by the nap of the neck. You will you take that. You will get in that group. Get in that group. Get in that group. That's you. But here's what we're called to do, Hebrews 10. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. When the New Testament, the church is birthed, they met like this. And they met in smaller groups and homes. They needed each other. Write it down. I cannot be the person God wants me to be by myself. There's a Harvard study on adult development that's been happening for 75 years. And this 75-year-long, it's still going on, is, is uh, surveying 724 men. It's been happening for 75 years. 60 of the 724 are still alive. And out of those 724, they have birthed 2,000 children. And this study is following that next generation, those 2,000 children. And the goal of this long-term Harvard study on adult development is what makes the difference in a family that is healthy versus a family that is unhealthy. And they, they, they came up with two key concepts. And it's like it took you 75 years and 724 men and, and, and 2,000 kids to come up with this. And here they are. God, good relationships keep us happier and healthier Loneliness is toxic. Those are the two key concepts. Like you could basically just go to the Bible and it says carry one another's burdens, love one another, be there for one another, pray for one another, help one another, feed one another, be kind one to another. And you'd figure out the 75-year study. Like you're happier and you're healthier when you're with people that are moving in the right direction. And loneliness is not for you. Man is not designed to be alone. We didn't last very long with just Adam. God said, we need to be together in this. We encourage one another 
And we can't get out of the habit of doing that. I got all I need. I don't really don't get back into the habit. Find a group. I'll talk to you more about that in a minute. Number three, another keystone habit to living about that life. I develop the spiritual habits. I can figure out physical habits. I can figure out relational habits. We have habits. Some are good. Some are bad. But we have to actually like activate those spiritual habits. John 13, 17 says, now that you know the things to do, you will be blessed if you know them well. Wait, that's not, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. You will be blessed if you think about it. If you know, if you know the things that God says for you to do, you're gonna be blessed if you tell others to do it as you say, but not as you do, right? No. It's blessed if you what? Do them. Do them. Look, good habits build good character. Good character builds my destiny. But you don't build a destiny when you're docked. You say, okay, God. (sighs) Thank you, Lord, for using me this morning. And I'm going to get up and I want to make a difference today. I really want my family to, to trust you and uh, all that stuff. And so I need to, man, I need to change. There's a lot of things I want to improve. Oh, man, I got to go to the gym. <laughs> It'd be nice to go to the gym today. Put it on the, on the board there, Holly. Go to, go to the screen, guys. God will not guide a docked boat oh see that Pilates right there yeah (laughs) do it today's the day for some of you to stop knowing and start doing some of you senior saints there is so much gold in you would be a tragedy if this younger generation didn't hear you say and encourage and love on them and we want to we want to be a a tour guide to help that happen in mentor relationships but God won't guide a doctor you got to get up and then as you move he moves as you step forward he says oh let's let's think about it this way you can have some horsepower in that boat, but if you got a rope tied to the dock, nothing, nothing. But you, you unwrap the rope, you get off the dock, watch out. Number four, I expect to grow. Uh, it's probably not going to happen. There, there's your doubts. There's your past. There's your perspective. You have to, there, there's not a single athlete. There's not a single pro athlete that doesn't expect to win. Like if you expect to lose all the time, you're, not, you're probably going to get your results. You expect to move forward. You got to have what the Bible calls that expectancy of seeing something that you can't see yet, becoming what you aren't yet. The Bible calls that, the, the, the Bible word for that is faith. Seeing what you can't see, believing what you, it hasn't quite happened yet. 
these two blind men were following Jesus and, and they said, have mercy on us. Somebody was obviously leading them. There was somebody seeing them there and helping them follow Jesus. And, and Jesus turns to them in Matthew 29, he says, or Matthew 9, then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, according to your believing and what you couldn't see, let it be done to you. And I'm inviting you to believe again that God has more than right now. That the life you're living, it is the real life. But there's more ideal life in Christ to come. Until you're on the other side of heaven, God has more for you. So what does he want us to do? Hebrews 6. Let us move beyond the elementary teachings. And let's get, let, let, let's get forward in maturity. Let, let's go forward in maturing. And so something we've created here, it's all about your God-given potential. It's something we call the movement at Timber Creek. And, and the movement isn't a program. The movement is, is like our strategy of, of how we help people take next steps here at Timber Creek. There are several different steps you can take. Your next step is unique as you are. But let me just give you quickly just a few of the key. We don't give you the Cheesecake Factory menu here. Why don't we do this and why don't we do that and why don't we do that? Because like who eats all the stuff at the Cheesecake Factory? I'm there for the cheesecake. That's it. And you know what? We, we are not going to be, we're, we're going to try and be, and I, I don't want to sound, sound arrogant here. We're not going to try and be just Golden Corral and provide you with all kinds of things. We're, we're going to try and be like chilies and have a little bit less to offer. But focus on those things. And I'm going to say beyond chilies, we're going to try and be Ruth Chris. That's what we're going to try and be. We're going to try and be Ruth Chris, baby. But there are some movements that we all need to be taking. And here are the key three at TCC. Oh, you like that? It rhymes. The key three at TCC. And really, everybody that's a Christian, if you are, we're going to take a spiritual test real quick. Everybody breathe in. Everybody breathe out. If you are not breathing, this isn't for you. If you are breathing, these things are for you. They're the key three. And here they are. Starting point. If you've never been in starting point or you've been at this church long enough, I know what's going on. I don't need it now. I've got God in my heart. It's fine. You, you need to try starting point. Every Sunday morning, we have four steps that everybody takes. Step one is on the first Sunday of the month. Step two is on the second Sunday of the month. Step three is on the fifth Sunday of the month. No, I'm kidding. It's on the third. Like we make it simple. Simple. It starts over every single month except July and December. So guess what's going to happen in two weeks on September 2nd? Starting point's going to start. You can start anytime. You can start in step three. We'll help you get there. But, it, but, but, but step one starts first Sunday of the month. And it's about if you're new to Christ or if you're new to the church, if you want to serve, if you want to go into the next step and, and, and figure out what we have to offer, if you, you want to understand better the doctrine of our church and our structure and, and, and like, like where we're headed, that's, that's key for you. Also, we want to help you with next steps on what to do after starting point. Don't, don't just start wherever. Start with starting point. Everybody ought to be serving on a dream team. Everybody, 100% of us ought to be serving. You know that just in this adult service, there are 34 people making both services happen. 34 dream teamers that are volunteers making it happen. Do you know we have over 600 dream teamers? In other words, they're doing God's dream for this earth, and that's for everybody to find him and know him and, and find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. We have over 600, but you know what? We have, we have 
Dozens and dozens and dozens. You know what ought to happen on a Sunday morning? I, I sweat through my last shirt. So I had to go home in between services and change shirts. It was hot up here. I was preaching fire. That's what I was doing. I had to preach fire. And when I drove back onto the loop, I said, you know what? Instead of going to the back, I'm, I'm going to drive around the parking lot and see what's going on. And, and, and I'm telling you, I, I saw immediately five opportunities right now, five places someone could serve on a dream team. Right in front, right in the grass, by the landscape flower beds. We, we could have somebody right there. Wouldn't it be great? Just anytime somebody's coming in, just somebody waving. Just somebody waving. Come on in. Man, nothing says, hello, we're glad you're here, than someone saying, hello, we're glad you're here. And I'm going to tell you something else. How many of you know, driving in this parking lot, especially when the pastor preaches late in first service, that guy, that knucklehead, it's hard to find a parking spot. You know what? We will buy as many golf carts as it takes. We just, we're looking for dream teamers to help and serve. It, 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 cows moo and dogs bark and cats, who cares about cats? <laughs> Christians serve. Christians serve. Oh, cat people, get over it. <laughs> Christians serve. It's their language. God's called you. Now, do we need you to serve? You need to serve more than we need you to serve. If you don't want to serve, if nobody, if everybody chose not to serve on a Sunday, we would shut down the church tomorrow. We would shut it down. I believe that Lufkin needs Timber Creek Church. I believe, I believe the Timber Country of East Texas needs Timber Creek Church in, in multiple locations. I believe it. We're going to create community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus. But it doesn't happen with a pastor and a microphone. It happens with the body of Christ serving. There's opportunity, and that's a next step that some of you, it's time to take. I wish I had the time. Make the time for what's important, and serving is important. And this is where the New Testament, they were together like this, and they were in groups. Smaller groups in homes. Smaller groups that meet. Those are the key three. The key three. Starting point, being a part of a dream team, serving somewhere. And being a part of a group. Because when we look beyond ourselves, that's really the life God's called us to live. In fact, isn't that the life that Christ lived? That he came as a sacrifice? Like he poured his life out. And if we're going to be like Christ, it means we're going to be doing some pouring. And if you're not doing some pouring, that wine's going to get old. That, that, that wine's not going to get good. I don't mean aged nicely. I mean it's going to get sour. And so groups are key. Now, we go beyond that. And there are some specializations in the movement. You know how you can go to college and get a degree and then you can get like a specialization or you're majoring in something? There are a couple of specializations that we have created because we know that a lot of people were needing this particular injection into their spiritual walk. One of those specializations we're calling encounter. And an and, and encounter, encounter is basically a, a larger group broken down into smaller groups that is, is all about really if there's, if there's something holding you back, if you feel like, if you, feel like you need to, to be closer to Christ, but you're, you're, you're not quite where you are yet, and, and maybe there's some, some hang-ups that you keep experiencing over and over, and I'd like to get past that hurdle so I can move forward. Encounter is 
a beautiful place to not only find identity in Christ and an alignment with Christ, but also the spirit-filled life. And we invite you to take a next step today and maybe encounters for you. Maybe you, you are wanting to, to strengthen your foundation or you don't really know where to start after starting point and, and you're relatively new to the Bible and to God and you're hungry for more. Maybe you feel stalled. You've been for a while and you feel like, man, my, my, my relationship with God's kind of been hovering at the same place and you want to go deeper. Grow Track is, is for you. Grow Track is another specialization that, that helps unlock, undock the boat. And Grow Track's all about that Christ like conduct and conviction and character. And you really want to know what it means to be a Christian. This is a start and stop on both of these. Groups happen all the time, uh, every semester other than summer. These have start and stop. There's like an experience, and then it's done. You've done it. Now, now listen, listen, here's why. People that go to college, they go to college to get the training so that they can get out in the real world and do their job. Yes, good, good. Do their what? <laughs> now, not everybody goes to college, and that's completely fine. But if you want, you want to have the right job, you got to get the right training. And there are certain things that, that, like, you need to get the right training. You need to get the right thinking. You need to get the right understanding. And these aren't designed for you just to go through growth track over and over and over and over and over again. It's so that you can know and then you can do. Encounter so you can encounter so that you can go do. So, so, so look at it. This is the movement at Timber Creek Church. Your God-given potential is our mission, and these are the platforms, these are the nets, if you will, that you can jump into. But you can't jump into the net if you don't launch out to the deep and cast the net. you got to be a part. And today, outside, there's several different places you can sign up right here on the Timber Creek Church app. If you go to Next Steps... You can click find your next step. And there's three questions. We also provided it for you there in your seat. You, you can find a next step to take, but just don't stay idle. And here's where we go. Here's the Timber Creek commitment. If I engage the process, Jesus will change me from the inside out, and Timber Creek will help me get there. That's our commitment to you. Let me say it in the simpler terms. Invest a year of your life into taking next steps at Timber Creek. And I believe you will never be the same. I was just talking with Jeremy Charvos, Amanda Charvos, and they said, we've been coming to church, but it wasn't until we engaged the product. Last night at Splash Night Out, we're all talking there in the middle of kids peeing in the pool. And, and they said, when we engaged the process, it's amazing. This, this is the life we, we didn't even, we couldn't even see it yet. But when we engage the process, whoa, look what God has done. Finally, number five, I choose the life I really want to be about. The life you want to be about is your choice. It's your choice. As parents, we put the arrow on the string and once we release the arrow, everybody, it's their choice where they're going. It's your choice to be about whatever life you want to be about. But here's what Jesus himself says. Listen, lean in. Listen to me. Look at me right here. Look at me right here. Jeremiah says it like this. When you come looking for me, 
you'll find me. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. You know, when kids are younger, they love to play hide and seek. And as parents, we give them like special, uh, you know, special conveniences in the hide and seek. It's not like you count to 10 and then you say, you find exactly where they are. You walk around going, I wonder where they could be. I wonder where they could be. You see their feet hanging out from under the drapes. I wonder where they could be. My son loved to play hide and seek as a kid. And he'd say, dad, count. And I'd count to 50. He'd say, keep counting, because he was still trying to hide. I heard him shuffling around. One time we were playing hide and seek, and I, and I clicked this picture. He's in the middle of the kitchen. He's in the middle of the kitchen just trying to play hide and seek. And I'm walking through the kitchen. I, man, where is Graham? I wonder what's in that red and green box. I don't know. I got to find Graham. Another time, not the best parenting, but found him in the dryer. And <laughs> but when I when I found him, oh, don't judge. When I found him in the when I found him in the dryer, uh, the door was open just like that. And he said, "It's it's scary. I don't want to. I want to shut the door. I want to shut the door. It was scary." He's easy to find. You know, God is terrible at hide and seek on purpose just as a parent so like when I go hide and Graham's counting one two ten I'm hiding not to the place where that kid ain't ever gonna find me ha <laughs> like I hide where it's easy to be found because I love my kids and I want them to ex have fun and experience life so he says when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, 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 yes. When you get serious about finding me and you want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. You'll find me. Don't you, don't you think you won't find me? You'll find me. I'll make it easy to find me. But you got to take next steps. Then God doubles down on his promise in Psalm 37. He says it like this. The steps of the God-pursuing ones, they follow firmly in the footsteps of the Lord. And the psalmist finishes by saying, and God delights in every step they take to follow him. See, some of us think that God's only going to delight if we finally get to where we were going. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says he delights in every step, even if it's a small step. It's a step. And some of you, it's time. It's time. It's time. Not to leap to where you want to be, but to take a next step. Would you pray with me? Eyes closed, heads bowed, both locations. God's doing business here, and he wants to speak to you. Some of you, your next step is not a group. Your next step may not even be starting point. Your next step is right now doing business with God, surrendering your life to him. You have either drifted away from God because life's just happened, or you're at a place where you've never invited him to lead and guide your life. Right now, if you say, Pastor, I need to take a next step and, and offer Jesus my heart, offer Jesus to be the Lord of my life today. If that's you, you say, Pastor, would you help me get there? Would you help me take that next step? 
you bet. If that's you, though, put a hand up in the air. I need to take a next step and put my life back in God's hands. Come on, put a hand up. Yes, several, many hands, many hands all across the auditorium. Many hands right there in Dieball. Let me just pray with you, and you can just pray your own prayer just like this. Jesus, thank you for being who you say you are. I make a terrible savior for myself. I can't fix my sin. Stuff that separates me from you, I invite you to change my life from the inside out. I want to grow in you. I don't even know all the steps I need to take, but I want to start by saying I surrender to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for not being mad at me. Thank you for creating this moment in my life to make things right with you. And I surrender and I will follow and I'm going to trust you. And I'm looking beyond my, beyond my doubts and my perspectives and my past. And I lean into you. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you that feel maybe stagnant or dry or it's time for God to help you take a next step and you're ready, that you, I want to pray for you. Would you put a hand up in the air? Yeah, yeah. Now get moving, everybody. You got this. I'm going to pray for you, but you got to do something with it. And Lord, I pray that they would activate the faith, that they would feel the stirring in their heart and then do something with it. Jesus mighty name. And all God's people said amen. Let's put our hands together for those that made a decision to follow Jesus today. Lots of hands today, everybody. Hey, come on. Put your come on, come on, give it up for them. Huge, huge. The Bible says, the Bible says that whenever someone makes a next step towards God and receives him as the Savior that the entire body of heaven begins to, to give a party for them. So that's awesome. We're so thankful for that. Your next step would be to drop your Connect card in the offering plate in just a moment, and we can help you take a next step. We have some people leaving right now to go be at their group's booth. For everybody else, I'm asking you, don't, don't move. Stay where you are, but stand where you are. We're going to take next steps, just right, not right now, okay? Take a next step in just a second. Everybody stand where you are. We're going to finish out this service singing this song and giving in our offering. And then we're going to come dismiss you and give you some next steps on what is happening out in the lobby. God bless this offering as we put you first in our finances. We take next steps of surrender and obedience to you in our financial life. In Jesus' name, amen. Usher, serve. Would everybody, would you sing this together with the team? And then we'll dismiss you in just a moment. Stop the Lord.
put your hands together, make some noise this morning. People are taking next steps. You know, I was thinking it's kind of like when you have your little baby and they're, they're kind of wobbling around, they're getting ready to take that first step. They're unsure, but when they lean in and take that first step as a parent, what do you do? I know what I did, man. I cried. I'm like, my baby's taking steps. Guys, we're so excited for you about taking steps. Some of you making the first step, giving your life to Jesus, your life will never be the same. Amen? Some of you, you're just getting ready. You're pulling the, the rope off of the dock. What an incredible message today. You're getting ready to pull out of the harbor and get out into the ocean and see God do some incredible things. Go out in the lobby. Find your next step. Sign up for a group. Sign up for Grow Track. Sign up for Encounter. We love you. We'll see you next week.